The Articulate Coven is the original, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC+. Welcome to Articulate Coven. We are your hosts, Ashley Wright Eiler and Joel Sharpton, and we are the Articulate Coven. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh my, my sweet baby Jesus. You guys, uh, there will be, there's no non-spoiler section of this, I'm sure. It would no. just be impossible. No, so just be aware, if you haven't seen episode uh, five of season one of Interview with the Vampire, A Vile go, Hunger go for Your away. Hammering Heart, go now go and watch away. it. Go away. Watch we it now. We both enjoyed it quite a bit. We've got things to say, though. We've got a lot of things to say, and we're going to get right to it right now. First, off the top, before we get to anything else, I do want to say, Ashley, you and I were just discussing... What a tremendous conversation already being had on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, I should say, Facebook group. Yes. If you do Facebook, and I understand lots of people don't for lots of good reasons, but if you do Facebook, uh, search for the group, Articulate Coven. There's a link in our show notes as well. And go join the group and, and join the conversation. Every episode, we put up a spoiler thread uh, sometime, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday mid- midday, uh, and the conversation begins. Like, okay, we're recording this now. It's like barely 5.30 central right. time. And the, the post has been up for less than five hours, and there's like 47 comments already. Lots of good back and forth. Lots of wonderful stuff. We can bring up some of those points here, and they'll inform our conversation, I'm sure. But we could not possibly do it justice to share everything that everybody is saying. So please, if you're into this, if you want to talk about the show, go join the Facebook group. Um, yeah. So that's where I wanted to start. Ashley, let's just get into it. What are your first overall thoughts about the episode? We Look, we knew this was coming, right? We knew this oh, was coming. This was or such something an explosion. Like I um, it was everything was a lot more physical than I expected it to be. I'll be really honest, um, but it it works. I mean, it worked. I was horrified. Like, and then we finished the episode, and <laughs> we, my husband and I were talking about it, and Brett said, "I mean." To be fair to Lestat, he is trying to teach them a lesson. Like, these vampires in Europe are not going to be easy for them to deal with. <laughs> well, it, you know, the overall thing that I think occurred to me more this episode than any before, the show writers and the creators of not just this TV series, but this overall universe, these, these characters, many of them, are going to exist in other TV shows over right. time, I think, as we go. So... I believe that they are working hard to craft a reasonableness to almost everyone's actions, right? Not that any actions are excused, but that you can better understand than we ever did really in the novels, because the novels are each from only one perspective. And here, we're already getting layers. We haven't heard Lestat's voiceover yet, I think. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I've got some theories, honestly, about that. Um, but. Uh-huh. Even without Lestat's voiceover, we have gotten some direct hints at why he is the way he is. And just so with Claudia, more so for Claudia in this episode than any episode before, I think. We get a real glimpse of what her life was like with Lestat and Louis, why she wanted to abandon that, the things that she goes through when she tries to be an independent, and then when she returns... I wouldn't say hat in hand. Roland Jones said hat half in hand in his little post-episode discussion. I disagree with him there, too. I I, I don't know that she came home apologetically at all. It but she at least off came that way to home me. with an apologetic attitude, an apologetic tone, one that would say or, or could sort of 
if it could be framed as like she made an offering and Lestat batted it away very quickly. Yes. But the, the overall point I, I want to say here is that these showrunners are trying to make all of these characters the kinds of there are no villains in our show as of yet at least there are no heroes either right these are all people who struggle and do terrible things to one another because of circumstances and and their own bad choices well and i think too they are they're, they're i mean they are villains to each other at various times mm. even if they aren't to the core air quotes villains as we you know want to think they are villainous to each other at least from the other's perspective so i think that this episode really kind of shows um uh how how hard they can go at each other and a lot of that i think has to do with like everything's heightened when you're a vampire so of course your 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 fights are as well um uh, there was there's a lot to unpack in this a whole lot to unpack in this um claudia basically to me, it seems like they're showing in this, like, they don't show us, but they tell us. They tell it. I guess they, shit, I don't know anymore. My brain isn't working because I'm sick and on medicine. But um, she, you know, she's basically acting just like as a predatory serial killer and just leaving bodies in places and keeping, keeping trophies of her victims and things like that. Like, she, to me, in the beginning of the episode, before, you know, the... The first, the first big blow up happens. Um, she's, she's got no direction and no focus at all. She is acting like just a ser a straight up serial killer. I mean, literally co collecting trophies, holding holding bodies, and also experimenting with making her own vampire. Yeah, she's very and, and this tragic. She's trying so hard to make a partner. I mean, and that is a, I can't, I honestly can't recall from the novel whether she ever actually attempts it, but that is definitely a desire Claudia has in the, in right. the book and she is knows to make one of her small. own. Right, and she knows she's too small, yeah, and she can't, and, but the other thing that I think became really, really obvious in this episode is that rule about not making a child of any sort into a vampire. Claudia is so weak physically compared to these these grown men vampires all of mm. them every single one she is a baby bird to them the way she flies across the room when Lestat touches her the way that when she's dealing with the killer at the um at the uh, campfire and and he just barely touches her and he injures her it's so it's frightening when you know how predatory um uh, Armand's group can be, you know, we have that in our heads going forward. It's terrifying. I think I'm more afraid for her than I was afraid for, for, um, you know, a more childlike Claudia because it just seemed like, why would anyone hurt her? But there's so many reasons someone could hurt a teenage version of her. Well, and they brought, because of they, they aged her up. That's the, for, for me, that made the, I mean, the sexual violence that was not, I will say, thankfully, explicit in this episode. Um, I thought they handled that pretty well, although I dislike the, well, we'll get to there in a minute. A couple of things I want to say off the top here. First and foremost, the soundtrack is out. It's available now on all streaming Ooh. services. Uh, it's available for purchase as well, but if you subscribe to any of the streaming services, you can you can find it there. You can, of course, I think it's even on YouTube, so you can, can sample it there. I will caution you. I am still staying away personally because I believe there are some track titles that are uh -oh. probably going to be sort of like 
evocative hints, there is also a track with Sam singing. And Ooh. I believe, I believe if I hear it, I'll have a good sense of where it comes from, which is a, enough of a spoiler for me for these next two episodes. And I'm not going to do it until I see the end of the season. After this season is over, I am going to drown myself in this soundtrack. So don't even worry. I'll get there with you. But if, if that's your bag, go ahead and dive in. If you're worried about the spoilers, though, I would just caution you. Um, the other thing, Ashley, we forgot last week, or I, I should say I forgot last week to mention, uh, episode four was directed by Keith Powell and written by Eleanor Burgess. I always want to call out those credits. This oh, episode, yeah. by the way, directed by uh, Levin Aiken and written by Hannah Moscovich back from episode three. So apparently Hannah knows how to make our boys fight very well. Um, oh, yes. That's a skill of hers. Hannah, I don't know if, <laughs> and I don't say this flippantly, Hannah, I don't know if you have a history of domestic violence in your in your past, but goodness gracious. But Yalsa. You know how to play it on screen very well, ma'am. I, I, I mean, thank you, I suppose. But, but, um, I, I said on the Facebook group, I don't hate this episode, and I don't. This is not a bad episode. This is great television. I care very much about these characters, and even knowing it was coming, the way that it all plays out is slightly different than it is in the books, of course, because of the changing circumstances, and and the way that these characters are slightly altered from their portrayal in the novels, and the combination of those things, and the fact that you know, visual, a visual medium like a TV series is, is more affecting in many ways than a novel is. I, well, I say, I say that more, more viscerally affecting sometimes than a novel is. A novel will yeah. haunt you and stay with you for, for, you know, days and months, but well, I know that this was a lot. This was a lot. That, that really have trouble, you know, drawing the pictures in their minds, you know, when it comes to, um, when it comes to reading something, not everybody can, you know, can see all those things. So you know, one of my daughters says she can't at all. I've never, I've never spoken with anyone who say they can't. Yeah, create it's a, a picture whole, in their that's mind. A whole one thing. of my daughters can't. Yeah, that's a. It's a whole thing. Like, I mean, it's a whole. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think it's cool. I think that's one of the reasons why I think adaptations are so wonderful. Anything that makes things more accessible to you know really experience something fully you know in the way that the way that in, we know the way Anne intended you know for is to paint these pictures and for us to see these things um so yeah so i, I mm, this episode was a lot uh, as somebody who has some had has had some dealings with domestic violence it was there was a lot to deal with and um i don't know if they i didn't look to see if they had anything in the warnings probably nothing about like domestic violence it's just I weird didn't what bothers it. you it's so so strange what like what what we all find triggering like i can watch you know people get have all kinds of things done to them but like yelling and well, breaking dishes freaking drives me crazy i can't I mean, handle it lestat punched through the head of a priest in episode one right yeah, so this is no and i this is not a man real. who's i giggled yes no we all we made jokes I mean, about the about the it kid fiddler right <laughs> yeah. but but here boy the thing that got me and i'm just going to jump straight to it because i think yeah. it is going to be triggering for a lot of people Lestat says you hear him off screen in the middle. Of, first of all, I will say kudos to the to the showrunners or the director, or whatever. You don't see the vast majority of the violence. The violence no. is implied and off screen. The vast majority of it is there's one scene as, as Claudia comes around a corner where Lestat is repeatedly punching Louis. And that's about as as directly violent as it gets, honestly, until the very, very last moments. But 
off screen, you hear Lestat say, I'm trying to restrain myself. Yep. And boy, that is exactly the sort of thing that an abuser says while he's punching the shit out of the abusee, right? Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is a that is a classic, why do you make me do this to you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet, and yet, as the conversation has happened on Facebook in our, in our group, and I'm telling you there's so much good stuff there, a couple of people have called it out. Lestat says explicitly, I have fought my nature a million times. Lestat has spent seven years setting himself aside and waiting on Louis's grief Oh, and living in like over squalor. Literally squalor. As squ far as hey, like look. how Lestat's concerned, that is living in squalor, like living in a well, you and house. I, we've talked before about the fact that Louis will just live in a house a little piled up with Let's, books and newspaper yeah. with no lights on and full of rat bodies, and here he is doing it, and Lestat's still sleeping in this house with yeah. him. So, so it's not... Listen, man, he's been there. He's put up through it. He's 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 put his heart and his life on the line for Louis for seven years, literally seven years. He's waited on the grief to end. And as he says, a thousand nights of moping, she walks in and you're going to leave me. And I understand yeah. the anger. The violence is unwarranted and unexcusable, right? There's going to have to be, if we get to, we, we, the fandom says over and over again, most of us say, oh, Louis and Lestat are endgame. And I agree. I think they are. That's the novels. That's the story that Anne wrote. I think that's the story these showrunners are writing. But boy, there is a mountain of reconciliation we're going to have to climb over and cross between here and there before we can get to it. Well, because yeah. some wrong was done tonight <laughs> in a way that will be hard and and actually i mean i think the 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 trailers for next week imply that he's going to have them basically in a hostage situation maybe is what it almost seemed to me i don't know it seemed like maybe he's courting them at some point i but i wonder how this is going to play out from here on out i also think i think maybe we're only going to get one more large scene of violence book readers if you're not yeah. if you're not a book reader i'm sure I, sorry to spoil you this but there are two assassination attempts in the book on lestat's <laughs> life before claudia and louis break free from him and i think maybe this is our first bout of violence and yeah. we're going to get one more and then a departure if you think about the way these two episodes lay ahead of us to finish the season, the timing of everything as we think it's been told to us from the showrunners. I mean, maybe they'll surprise us. The other thing is no screeners have, have come out for six and seven. Nobody's seen these early. So we're all flying blind as we go into it. When I'll say but this, boy, AMC is known for some fucked up penultimate episodes for things that some, I mean, everybody's craps their pants over a season finale, but AMC does not fuck around with that second to last episode. Well, and I really like that's like just that, honestly, traditionally with them because you get then you get in the season finale. You can, you can still get a lot of great action or a lot of great payoff, but then you also get a little denouement and a resetting of the table for whatever mm -hmm. comes next. Right. We get it a we can get a hint sets up the next season. Um, a couple of things I do want to mention, and these will be show notes in the uh, or these will be links in the show notes, I should say. We didn't mention this last week. I hadn't seen it, honestly, until after the show was over and we went to Twitter and Facebook and et cetera. Claudia's diaries contain multiple handwritings 
Uh, Gore on Twitter was the first one that I saw that had noticed this. One of the one of the volumes that um, that Daniel opens in last episode, and he turns to uh, the first thing he turns to is a page that's marked with a rose. That page is not written in the same handwriting as the rest of the of the books, and it is in fact, if you zoom in super close and read it, it is text from the vampire Lestat. The year, I believe, was 1927, but I wouldn't swear to that, um, uh, especially given the framing of of this episode's timeline. But at some point in the past, Lestat had added his own story to one of those diaries as a token, one would imagine, for Louis. Whether or not that was before or after this episode's events, we don't know. And whether or not we'll ever get to hear that in the show or whether it was literally just a kind of a toss-off for the fans, I don't know. But it's definitely there and it's something to think about as we move forward, especially since the diaries continue to play such a big part. Uh, such a huge part. At the, I mean, at the top of the episode, um, you know, we've kind of skipped past the first the first big blow up in our in our little family hat that our little family has. Um, and it's, you know, they read her diaries. <laughs> Louis thinks she's so heartbroken that she's been like starving herself in her casket. And Lestat knows she's been out eating it up, but they have no idea what she's really been doing, which is killing people and burying them in water that's been land that's below sea level. Such a terrible idea for disposing of your bodies. You can't as, bury as, corpses in South Louisiana, you guys. Well, as a guy who worked in Chalmette for a while, uh, I I don't. I, that would be where I would go to bury bodies too. Honestly, I don't blame <laughs> Claudia on that. Um, the, you know, I. She lets the cops in. Well, no. Okay, let's we, let's let's skip over the diaries though. Let's go back to them reading the diaries because this okay. really affected me because this is something as a parent, especially. It, it is. First of all, I I am I do believe in privacy. I think everybody should have their own space and their own uh, private thoughts, and everybody gets to feel how they want to feel about things. However, as a parent, especially you you do have a duty to be sort of involved in your child's affairs. And while Claudia is not, um, you know, literally a child in this, uh, especially now that she's aged up into her twenties or thirties, but at the same time, she is still a fledgling, and she's clearly making these mistakes that will not only come back on her, but could potentially cost Lestat and Louis their lives as well. I think there there is a time when you got to read the diary, and I do appreciate Louis' stance on it, especially where he read what he needed to read and he didn't go further, right? He didn't, right, he didn't right. go into the private thoughts. Lestat's like, I read them all. I read all the nasty things that you said about me and loud. Louis. Yeah, I read some yeah, about loud. Nasty bits about Louis. I used a funny voice to make fun of you while I read it. <laughs> yeah, He's such absolutely. a brat. He's such a brat. Like I've never, I had never imagined that I would see this character portrayed so perfectly. He is a fucking brat. Like a brat. I, I, I just to see it in a way that's not like a childish brat. Like it is a brat prince. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, this guy is so fantastic. He really, really has it down. He's so fundamentally hurt here. He's so, through this whole episode, he is so heartbroken. And you Sam have got does such, such a, a good job you of just excuse it. his shitty behavior no. all the time. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, because it's not, it isn't excusable. I am. No, I know. Sam I'm just giving you a hard completely. time. I know how much you love him. 
Also, there. Also, I want to give a shakeup for the drinking game. You know, if people are drinking every yes. time we agree. <laughs> yeah, right. No, we have to start arguing more. Yes, um, we got to argue more. I will. I will say though that like. In this episode especially, I thought Sam gets to play the heartbreak and the loss with the anger and the grief and like yes. and the wrath. Wrath is the word that was used over and over again in the Facebook thread. And I think that's exactly what this felt like. This felt like effectively, you know, twenty-three years or whatever it's been now of pent up anger at i've given you this gift you said that you wanted it i asked you did you know is this what you want to do and you said yes and you joined me on this road and i've been over backwards to to satisfy the fact that you you? don't want to kill people yeah Mm -hmm. i've hidden my own kills you say that it bothers you when i screw other people excellent you don't even know about it anymore you wanted a child i gave you a child you wanted a, a saloon i gave you a saloon you you want you know, over and over again. And yet, and also, by the way, it's clear now again in this episode, Lestat's also been hiding his power, right? Just like in the novels, he has been hiding the overwhelming vampiric nature that he has to offer, you know, that preternatural power that that Anne loves to reference so much. God, I mean, I understand, it's a a roiling fire that Louis and Claudia have been stoking here. And, And then though, the thing that I loved most from Sam in this episode, and then we'll talk about Claudia because we got to get to to Bailey. She she really she won this episode, I think. Yeah. But Sam does one thing in this episode that I particularly love, and it's something that absolutely is true to Lestat in the books. I think some of the things in this episode maybe not so much, but this is he goads Ashley. He can't help himself mm-hmm. he but can. goad when she comes back. Apology not accepted. When mm-hmm. they first confront about the diaries, she says, did you read the others? Louis says no. Whether, first of all, it wasn't true. Louis got read some of them out loud and he knew that, but he didn't, we don't need to go into that. Yeah. I have this information. We have to confront you about this thing you're doing wrong as a child and a parent, and we're going to get and back on track. a bad vampire. <laughs> and a bad vampire, right? And, and Lestat is like, no, I read the things that you said, the mean things you said about Louis. He knows them all. You know, uh, he can't, he just can't help himself. No, and he, and he wants to, and he wants to drive a wedge between them. He's very jealous of their connection. I mean, that's very, very clear, and always has been. Even though he says it's not, he says he's not. He knows he is. He can't talk to either of them the way they can talk to each other. Boy, and that's something we we sort of downplayed in our last episode as well. The fact that Claudia and Louis have this, uh, you know, mind gift that that is again neither one of them have the ability to speak telepathically or hear telepathically in the novels, um, but here they do. They can speak to each other. They are still blocked from Lestat, but they can speak to each other. Boy. They don't use it a lot, right? It's at least implied that they don't use it very often. First and foremost, Lestat tells them no secrets. Please don't do that. And they both say that they're not going to. But it sort of seems that they don't very often. Louis uses it once to kind of warn Claudia about her behavior. Claudia uses it a few times, I think, to goad Louis. But, but he doesn't know that. And Lestat doesn't know that. He doesn't know they don't do it very often. Or to to him, you know, in, in his in the way he is, <laughs> it's it's some a connection that they have that he's not a part of, and so 
he's assuming they're using it all the time. That's how I would feel, you know, like if I was involved with two people in that way and that they could communicate with each other in a way that didn't involve me or didn't include me. That's why I can't be in a poly relationship, y'all. <laughs> I would feel oh. so left out and hurt. Oh, even in a even not even in a non-romantic relationship, if you if you you know talk okay, let's go to this parent-child triangle. Yeah, well, or even with, with the parent-child triangle, or your friendships, absolutely. But I'm thinking about like with with my my wife, you know, my children and I. Okay, I mean, obviously, we don't have favorites, but at the same time, like you have a different relationship with each child, right? Yeah, and, and you some of those relationships, some of those relationships are inherently more compatible than others, and so like you, you develop this sort of like shorthand or maybe an inside joke or something, and anytime that's exposed to the family at large, it's like a raw nerve, and you don't mean it that way. You don't, you don't mean to hurt anybody else by having that sort of intimate connection with one of the other members, right. and yet. It's a slap in the face. It's a reminder. Oh, none of the rest of you are in on this. And it's like, oh, well, that's their thing. Well, let's let them go do their thing, you know? Oh, it's it, anyway, beautiful layers to this episode. Um, I want to talk about Bailey, though, for a second. So oh. first and foremost, she absolutely wins the episode. She got her showcase here. I, I don't know if they're going to give her another big one, but she lived up to the billing. She lived up to this role, to all of our expectations. Yeah. I still don't love the accent, but she pulled her weight and then some, and the accent is never a hindrance for me at this point. Yeah, it doesn't, Nowhere it doesn't in the episode. ruin it. Yeah, it doesn't ruin no. it. There were a couple of times that I was like, ouch, but it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I let it go. I let it go really quick. One of them was in a really freaking good moment, too, and I was just like, oh, why'd you do it like that? But she, she's there's amazing. One of the times, there's one of the times where it, telepathically she says... Uh, come with me Louie or something like that and the way that she says it is is it was a bad read I thought but the, yeah. the few and far between were those were those very moments. much very much yeah that's I being love, hypercritical I love that Claudia's sexuality in this series is all her own she's not attracted or attached to Louie in that way Louie and Lestat yeah. neither one of them are interested in her in that way it's called out specifically in this episode she she says which one of you are gonna fuck me <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, which I thought, by the oh. way, that great delivery there. But that's, it's said because it is absurd. She knows neither one of them want her. She doesn't want either one of them. It is purely a father-daughter relationship. Turning the fucking knife, though, right there to say, oh, I like more full-figured gals, you know. See? He's Fuck gotta you. go. <laughs> You're so He's gotta mean. go. Yeah. Everybody knows that He's it wasn't. so manipulative. He just can't help himself, though. He, it's so it's so ridiculous the way. But okay, so earlier in the episode, though, when they're reading the diary, the very hint of sexuality she's she makes reference to. Oh, Will I be a every virgin time. every time I do it? Yeah. Uh, both of the guys are repulsed and repelled. They drop the diary at first. Lestat leaves the room, but it, <laughs> it shows how, in so many ways. So many ways they did Claudia a disservice in her oh, creation my God. Big time. and her it's raising. So God, I think that would be so fucked up to that's fucked up. They're unprepared to raise a vampire. They're they're unprepared to raise a vampire. They were not ready for a family, Joel. They were not ready. <laughs> they jumped in and they were not prepared. But they're also neither one of them are prepared or capable of raising a woman either. And here they have both, you know? Um well, anyway, it's almost I like neither of them really know how to treat a woman, which is an interesting no. thought too, because they just well, don't I'll be interested to see how Lestat and 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 um 
and Jesus, his mother. Gabrielle, what's the relationship like? How what's the relationship like? Well, I mean, we know it's pretty fucked up, but like they don't know how to treat a woman that I guess they don't know how to treat a woman. They don't know how to fuck. They don't want to fuck, you know? You're right. Well, and even there, they don't. I mean, I don't know. I guess he, I guess he treats Antoinette all right, though, doesn't he? Oh, by the well, way, yeah. Antoinette. Oh, hey, back into by the, the way. series. Yeah, her flat ass singing torch so, songs. Oh, oh my God! I love the reference to that no ass having a white girl who sings so torch funny. songs. I thought that was, I thought that was perfect, um, especially because we know that Claudia has body issues, right? So the the very right. idea that she's noticed. Uh, and also, he's already mentioned, I think, at that point, the fuller figure thing, too, yep. right? Well, she, mm-hmm. you, she don't have no fuller figure. Um, all of that was excellent. I loved, by the way, let's move forward slightly in the episode. It's in the middle of Prohibition now, and so we get to go to a speakeasy. Oh, I wondered yes. What was happening I was very first. excited. Mm, that I was, was like, so is great. This, are they showing us? My first thought was, is this a vampire bar? A vampire I was bar? like, no, no, it's not. No, it's just Prohibition. I forgot. Okay. So um, so we get another scene with Tom Anderson, who, by the way, this actor in this portrayal is just delightful. I think Tom Anderson is fantastic. I especially like his line to Louis. Uh, I wrote it down. Let's see. Uh, it's always a straight line with you, Louis. Louis, he's talking about they're going to ask him. They've asked him to run for representative. Right. And Louis just like, so more money? Just like cut straight to the point. <laughs> and Tom Anderson says, it's always a straight line with you, Louis. I will say... I think that is some of Louis's problem. Louis, in the books and in the show, deals a little bit too much with absolutes and yeah, black cannot, and white. Uh, yeah, he cannot allow for the gray area, the 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 sort of wandering across the line, which ends up causing him struggle after struggle after struggle after struggle. You know? Um, yeah, we'll see and, that and time here, and again with him. Like that's a constant with him. That's his constant struggle. Poor, poor Louis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was okay. What, where did I got lost thinking about Tom Anderson? That beautiful mustache. <laughs> it is a good mustache. Uh, I do hope. Uh, I hope we get one more scene with him. I do too. We had that slowdown scene in the uh, in the speakeasy, which I always love them using that, um, using that little of Lestat's magic, and he marks his cheek. I and so Kelly asked me if that was for anything. I think it was literally just I want to hurt him. I can't really hurt him. I can't really. We've you know, and I'm assuming the idea there is that he bewitched uh, Tom. Louis goes and bewitches the the police chief to sort of forget about them. Is the idea there? That was that's what I got from that. Yeah. Yeah, but he couldn't help on the way out the door. I'm at least going to cut your cheek, you asshole. You know. Of course he can't help it. Lestat can never help it. (laughs) <laughs> oh god this episode really did i was like god damn it this is everything that's terrible about lestat all like shoved into 52 minutes of discomfort for ashley <laughs> you know one of our one of our listeners derek is reading the novels for the first time right now he finished interview with a vampire i think just oh, before the show awesome. started. he's uh he's just finished uh the vampire lestat the other day and has already started queen of the damned but he he uh he sent me a quote the other day from the vampire Lestat. You are the damnablest creature, mm-hmm. uh, Lestat. And it's a quote from Marius from yeah. uh, the vampire Lestat. But he absolutely is. He is the he is the damnedest creature. Um, and you can't. He's so charismatic, and he is so lovable, and he is he is so good in so many ways. And yet, here again and again and again, 
you just say, boy, if you if you just kept your mouth shut, this probably would have resolved itself. About 20, 20, 25 years of therapy would do him really good. Like straight through <laughs> weekly therapist, learn how to communicate with those you love in ways other than biting them. <laughs> just like him, just like him and Daniel locked in that room in Dubai, just chit chatting it out, figuring it out, listening to Daniel, yeah. cut him down again and again. Um, oh, speaking of Daniel, there's a great line from him here in the middle. <laughs> he and uh, Louis are talking about Claudia. Charlie Manson wrote a couple of beautiful songs, yeah. but he was still Charlie Manson. <laughs> um, Louis also makes a great quote there, which he repeats later. I won't have her exploited. Um, so let's talk about the interaction between the two of them here in the middle of the episode, especially. So yeah. there are there are torn pages from the book. This was hinted at in the trailer for last week, and I thought this was maybe a call forward to the novel Merrick. Uh, there are some missing pages, some torn out pages of Claudia's uh, diary that are yeah. used as a major plot point in the novel Merrick. That is not what happened here. Louis removed a few pages that are directly about the interaction between and the assault from the character Killer, uh, the the uh, the young sort of biker vampire uh, that meets that, up with Claudia here. Is he the, is that the same actor that you sent me those pictures of from Instagram? No, no. So okay, that, I didn't the, think so. I didn't that, think so. The one that I had sent you from Instagram, that guy is the guy that uh, the fandom thinks might have been cast as Armand. Right. So this, but at you first know I was guy like, is this like? the same guy? No, this actor looked, and it's not the same actor, but this looks like uh, the the Coppola kid. Uh, he doesn't go by Coppola though. Um, what's his name? He's in. He was in all of uh, Wes Anderson's movies. Oh, I'm of no use because you said Coppola doesn't go by Coppola, and all I can think of is Nick Cage now. I'm ruined. <laughs> uh, you're gonna know him when I say his name, Jason I know, Schwartzman. I'm sure I, will. I thought of it. Oh while yeah, I was yeah, even yeah. Looking him up. yeah, yeah. Jason Schwartzman. So that this actor looked so much like Jason Schwartzman to me, especially we watch this show occasionally on uh, a projector in our bedroom and we watched it today on the projector, like during the middle of the day. And so it was all a little washed out and like not quite as bright as you might <laughs> like, but boy with that and just the voice and the attitude, he was very Jason Schwartzman to me. That is so hilarious. killer is a character from the novels, not exactly laid out like here. I looked him up in the alphabetary earlier today. I'll just give you the top range. So he was created in 1925 in the novels, so it would have worked, I mean, theoretically at least, but he would still be a very young vampire if that was the case. In the novels, he doesn't show up until Queen of the Damned. He's He is in a group called the Fang Gang, which is referenced here. He's got several chapters in the Queen of the Damned uh, alongside his girlfriend, uh, Paramore, Baby Jinx. And yes. it's Baby Jinx, Killer, and the Fang Gang. Those are those uh, chapters that, that go along. I won't give the result of their storyline. I will say Killer has uh, a, a resurgence later in the books and shows up in the Prince Lestat trilogy as well. I don't know that that will be the case here. They've changed quite a lot of things, I would say. First of all, the timeline is a little different. I don't think in 1930 or, or you know 1928, wherever we are when that takes place, I don't think that uh, he would already be riding motorcycles. Maybe I'm wrong, but, but, but I, <laughs> that seems early to me. Um, and then the other thing is that the the characterization of the of the killer here i 
the killer is, I mean, correct me somebody, please, if I'm wrong. It's been a while since I've read Queen of the Damned um, the last time, but I don't think the character of killer would have been a rapist. And in here, he clearly rapes Claudia, you know? Yeah. I don't think that that was, yeah. I think, I feel like this is more of like a little drop in for us and we might see him again if we get, if and when we get to Queen of the Damned. Um, yeah, and it may and that, be that that will probably be it. But I and and if and if we do, maybe we'll get a little, maybe we'll get a little justice, a little. Yeah, that's little, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> late anything, for it, justice for our Claudia. Yeah, if anything, it seems to me like this is one of those situations where they're like, hey, let's let's make somebody that we actually want to see Akasha explode at a later yep. date, perhaps. Um, so. That scene was was rough, but I think the primary reason for it was just as you said, it's not just Lestat. Any vampire basically is stronger than her, yeah. Could and will crush Claudia. Yeah. She's just physically smaller. I mean, it, hell, I am a physically smaller person than a lot of people. And I think of myself as quite a badass. But I know that they're like once you get to a certain size, I can't fight you off. You know what I mean? That's reality. Mm. That's real. And and so that is something that I think is very important to show, very important to show the danger that she is in and she doesn't even really know it. Interesting to me too, that the writers decide to give us effectively like a college sexual assault storyline. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean like way more common than any co college would like to admit that happens on their campuses. And obviously neither one of these uh, characters are, are actual students at the universities, but effectively Claudia is taking her her college years here you know she spends seven years wandering and what does she tell Lestat when she comes back that she's done I started reading books I read a lot she of books. educated herself she she lived a lifetime through you know a gaining of knowledge and she did that where would you do that in the south in the 1920s college campuses that'd be about That's the only it. place to do it <laughs> Yeah. So I I like that part of the storyline. Uh, I do know I do know a handful of people who uh, have already said some version of I kind of like Killer. I don't, I don't know what they did here, you know. But I think mostly it's just as you said. They decided to give her this experience where she interacts with an American vampire. They needed it or wanted it to be somebody from the books, kind of obscure that they could change the storyline and not really affect anything. I think this mostly does it. I'm I'm kind of okay with it. I just wonder. Did, I mean, did we have to make it a sexual assault? I always think, and you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have asked that question. No, rape, you're right. Rape, it is. Is a, rape is a common story plot. It's been used for the entire history of filmed entertainment, I would say. And, and even before that, it was a common plot thread in books as well because it is a dramatic event. However, I... I mean, especially like this, I think Game of Thrones is what finally broke it for people. We had effectively one whole season where Sansa's just raped over and over and over and over and over again. And you're like, what is this all for exactly? Like who, yeah. what are we gaining here? We've seen yeah, that is... she's downtrodden, you know, <laughs> we've, we sure understand, you, you told us. Yeah, yeah, we understand um, she's oppressed. What do we gain from think... it? And I wonder here, what do we gain from thing... Claude? This could have been just an assault. It could be, but the only things I can think are the fact that it is, you know, it's easy to forget because she's a vampire that she's still a girl. She's still a woman. She's still vulnerable. She's still, you know, she's <laughs> what one out of five women, y'all? Come on. You know, I think that that, I mean, in order to show her in danger, you might have to show her in danger in the way that so many women that just walk through this earth are in danger on a daily basis. Um, 
and I didn't show it. It wasn't gratuitous, so it didn't bother me as much as it could have. Um, but I do think that it's one of the few ways you can show that someone with her power and her strength is still is still in danger, is still vulnerable, as vulnerable as any woman, as any young girl would be. This is the very reason I told I had a conversation with someone last week, Ashley, and we were discussing future podcasting plans. And I made the statement that I will never again start a show that has a co-host that is not a, a woman, probably, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and more than likely a woman of color. And it's specifically yeah. for what you just did. You gave me context on this in such a pithy, um, as a matter of fact, it's going to be a clip. I'm going to share that as a clip from this episode. They showed us what happens to one in five women. Like that's the danger. What is it? What is a danger to a woman vampire? The same danger that's to a woman. Yeah, just it's the same we, same reason it's scary to be a woman is the same reason it's scary to be a woman vampire. Ugh. Yeah, that's, and and that's so that real. <laughs> and so that's why they showed it. Honestly, that's why they used it. Just as they've done a time and time again, they've given us an opportunity to see through the lens of genre, uh, a, a glimpse into real life problems, real life issues, and and the real things that we face. I love it. It brings our characters back down to earth. It brings our characters, you know, back back to reality in a way like you what the fuck how on earth would she suspect that that could happen to her she's a vampire so this is going to be the episode that writes a thousand bad takes i guarantee you there will be a oh. million think pieces written about this every blog yeah. all of 100%. all of tumblr well and i think that i mean you guys there's plenty to there's plenty to not like i get it i could get people being like why the hell are we getting this claudia goes around to college thing like i totally get it i mean it's just remind yourself it's an adaptation take a breath it's getting us it's moving the story along in a brilliant way we're getting a lot of like really beautiful rich storytelling we're getting glimpses into these characters that feel really real that don't feel that don't feel fake and that don't feel out of place so even though it's different it still feels it still feels right mm. well you know what everybody take a drink because i agree with you ashley um <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah listen for me uh, I a couple of scenes I want to touch on before we get to the final fight properly. Uh, Lestat is standing in the window, getting dressed, and Louis is laying in a bed covered in newspapers, eating rats, and he's reading. <laughs> he's in his depression bed. Right, right. He's, <laughs> he's literally made a in his depression nest. bed. We've all had he, a depression uh, nest. Boy, and the, even the outfit here and his hair is wild too. Like I, I just the whole look of of Hobo Louie is is really really book true. It's really really honest because yeah. he's still beautiful <laughs> too, right? You understand? Yeah. yeah. Why? I still uh, love why, him. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, Lestat's getting ready, and Louis is saying, "Oh, this has got to be Claudia. It's Claudia here that they're writing about. She's killed all these people in all these different universities, and isn't it crazy? And can you believe it? It's Claudia. It's got to be Claudia." And Lestat says, "It could be Claudia, but I am the one that is standing here in front of you." This, oh, that was that moment. Yeah. And first of all, yeah. you can write it off as Caddy because he then immediate. First of all, he's kind of looking out the window at Antoinette, waiting on him. Right. <laughs> Like and he brat. says, I've got all the proper appendages and I'm mm -hmm. a full grown, full blooded adult, unlike Claudia. And if you're going to keep overlooking my considerable considerables and Louis isn't even listening to him, he's still rambling about Claudia and the thing. And so, so Lestat leaves him, but the, it's so clear there. He doesn't want to, it's so clear there 
that he is he is depressed as well. Lestat doesn't wear his depression bed like Louis is, but Lestat is in this deep fucking funk because he is in love with a man who may never say it or show it back. And Ashley, as a guy who has lived in that relationship uh, once or twice myself, that is a depression that I I oh it hit me yeah. hard before we got it's to the good, end of this thing. It's a good deep deep ache, you know, like being in love with someone that doesn't love you back is horrible. It's so horrible. I've been there. Well, and I have definitely so been wonderful. There. So wonderful that they show us the power imbalances, right? Lestat is the stronger in this relationship. He has the knowledge. He has the actual physical strength, the preternatural strength. Louis is the one that's in charge of the relationship, though, because well, Lestat will never abandon Louis. Louis would have to drive him away. Lestat is the one that needs Louis so much. Lestat, Louis would have been fine these seven years alone in that house with his newspapers and rats. Lestat has stayed why? Because he can't be without him. Why didn't he ever abandon him? Why didn't he kill him? It's because right? Lestat loves him in a way that Lestat can't even honestly process, probably. Um, now, that still doesn't... I'm not excusing any of his actions, no, but I'm telling you, no, no. this. You, I will never hear anybody say that Lestat doesn't truly love Louis or Lestat isn't committed to Louis in the way that he says he is, et cetera, et cetera. This episode, to me, shows it. I, I No, I agree with you, and I think that... Um... Another thing is that th this, these are loves that are going to be experienced and relationships that are experienced over decades and eventually centuries. And so you have to take all that shit into account too. It's not just like I'm, I had, I was in love with this person when I was 20 and they didn't love me back. <laughs> it's like, I've been in love with this man for three lifetimes and he still doesn't love me. Ah, you know, that's, it's so much it's so much worse and Lestat is also very egotistical in the idea that someone wouldn't fall for him everyone's always fallen for him you know why would why would you not love me the way that I deserve to be loved oh oh the boy and that's the actual line there boy that one broke my heart personally all right let's go the last couple of scenes here once again the inciting incident that brings this all to a head comes from Louis's family Louis's mortal life is truly oh, yes. once and for over. all over. He gets a call from yeah. Grace, meet me at the cemetery, and they don't reveal it until the very end of the conversation, but Grace has marked the family uh, uh, mausoleum with Louis's death dates. Louis yep. died 53 years old, 1930, and she says, I need this from my family, and says goodbye to him. Um, I thought that was a great scene. I don't think we're going to see Grace again. I, honestly, I don't think so either. Here, I think the she's served served the purpose, and and we're at the we're at that point of separation now. That's that you can't go back. Yes, absolutely. And well, and it's the final straw. Like she made the choice for Louis, which honestly sort of feels very true to to book Louis. Louis is never a decisive fellow. Um, right. Grace makes the choice for him. Your your mortal life is over. You're done now. We're, you're disconnected you from everything. Yeah, you did. I'm going to take did. the trust. And, well, and that's the other thing. One imagine. I mean, I don't. One imagines also that there's not much of the trust left. She says the no. She says the they stock lost market crash wiped crash. them out. Yeah. Um. But uh. But moving up north, I wonder if we'll see 
we know in the in the novels some vampires sort of track their human families. I wonder if Louis will ever try to see how the uh, Frenier family, uh, now that they're not Point Deluxe anymore, how the Frenier family fares over time. Will we ever get maybe even a Babette that's a descendant of of the Freniers that Louis revisits at some point in one of the the future seasons? That's an interesting something that's out there. But I think the point of this, I think they've probably let it go. I think the I think this is it for for his. You you know his mortal life and we're also about to shove off across the ocean i mean we don't have too much more time in new orleans right now well and i think that's the real point the real point was to put louis in a bad way even more than he was like one final moment to send him home literally in tears and then claudia capitalizes on that moment to return and boy the beginning of this scene, again, we've already praised Bailey, but the beginning of this scene is so good. They have this beautiful reunion, Louis and Claudia do, where it's so clear the oh, affection so that they have for each other. And he thanks and her for coming the, back. But the record scratch, Ashley, yeah. <laughs> the record scratch as Lestat stops it. And I just knew I was like, oh, well, oh, I mean, and also well, we're in I, could, for it now. I could feel the runtime was almost done too, right? I'm like, well, here we go. This is our final, yeah. this is our final scene. Um, from the moment that she entered, I think Lestat was hot. And I think there would have been a physical altercation no matter what else happened. However, oh yeah. It was they brewing. both goad each other into it. Claudia then abandons. They start just literally tugging on either arm of Louis. And Louis, again, just as we just said, indecisive as always, doesn't make a choice, doesn't stand up for himself, and leaves it to these two hothead assholes to yeah. resolve. <laughs> so, you'll find I mean, out. Yeah, well, but you can't be surprised that, honestly, at that point, you can't be surprised when Louis doesn't get between them in some way, some physical way, that Lestat ends up throwing Claudia, which is the impetus then for the actual fight. Louis then finally retaliates and, and begins to physically fight Lestat, and then it's on. You know, I mean, it's it's a, it's a freaking, it's John Wick 4, except it's all off screen. Oh. It was so. That was so great, though. What a great, what what a great um, lens to show that through. She giving it, giving most of it to us from from like Claudia's perspective. We were with her through most of that fight. Most of that fight, we wouldn't actually want to see, I'm sure. So getting to see just like bits and pieces of it were so violent and horrifying. Like when Louis hit the wall, like by the door. Jesus yeah. Christ! And the and there were these. Uh, claw marks up and down this the uh the stairwell up and down the um the stair handle jesus it was so violent it was so brutal well and already earlier in this episode we had seen from louis what the what these fingernails can do as he was carving the dining room table right so we right. see how dangerous a, and we've seen earlier lestat scratches the cheek with no effort whatsoever just these are deadly dangerous weapons on their hands and here they've been put to use against each other in a in an animalistic terrible way you're absolutely right having it all be portrayed through claudia's eyes though honestly is more affecting than if they had just shown it as an outright brawl because right. it so clearly is that mommy and daddy are beating the shit yeah. out of each other in this case yeah. mommy and daddy happen to be very powerful vampires but still right. jesus it was I mean, just uncomfortable and sad and and frightening and uh, triggering, absolutely. Um, and just and and also like uh, just for people who like fights in 
in movies and theater. Joel and I both have stage combat training and learned how to sword fight when we were in college. So seeing a really good fight that's well constructed and well done, like that, it was really impressive on that side of it too, like just the structure of it. And that tells a narrative, right? Like you right. saw the moment, the moments where Lestat would would not give up, but would relent and would be sort of let go for a second, and then Louis would attack, and then Louis was sort of pleading that it was over, but then something would push Lestat over the top, and he would go right. again. All of those moments are, you, you know, Mark Gwynn's our our theater uh, professor and and fight director and and mentor in this mentor, area. Mentor, yeah. I all one of the things that's always stuck with me for him is he's like, you know, you can have a big battle scene where you have 15,000 extras and they're all fighting each other. But if you can't follow the narrative of the battle, what is happening here, not just interpersonally for each individual combatant, but the overall arc of the battle, how do things go, then it's worthless here. We don't see most of the battle. And yet the arc of it, the story of the battle, how things went is so clear honestly um yeah really well done really well done even though it's disgusting oh horrifying and the most horrifying thing i think i've ever one of the most horrifying things i think i've ever seen in a television show or a a movie ever was him dragging louis by his chin by By, i'm assuming he had literally like like a mandible claw like jesus christ that felt like a wrestling move gone so wrong like you would have dragging him down that's what i thought like you shove your like you shove your hand into their gills and you're holding them by the gills kind of thing that's what it felt like and it was it was Oh, that was terrible. That was terrible. But there, again, even then, even here in this moment of brutality, as he's dragging Louis out, he can't help but goad. Claudia calls out to him, yeah. Uncle Les, please. And he says, oh, oh it's, it's Uncle, Uncle Les, Les suddenly. <laughs> yeah. And then he yeah, turns and she, she says, says take, no, take me. Take You're me. I'm the one. And he's like, I, it was never you. It was oh. never you. And honestly, first of all, first of all, as many of the other things that Lestat has said in this episode, there's truth there, right? It was never, he didn't want Claudia, at least as portrayed in this. We we may find when Lestat tells his own story that he had his own thinkings about Claudia along, and we haven't seen those yet. But as laid out so far, this was what Louis wanted, and it was a way for Lestat to keep him there. To keep Louis there, yep. So much of, so much of what he does. failed. Yeah, miserably because this is. The, I mean, our 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 dynamic duo is on the way out the door. We've got two episodes left. This yeah. is going to be all yeah. about the grand exit. So he so he tosses off this line to Claudia. It was never you, and then he ascends. Sam told us in the the official podcast and the the I think it was the second episode uh, where they did their Sam Reed uh, interview. Sam mentioned that the the cloud gift was coming, and we see it here. I think is beautifully done, by the way. Hey, here's a moment I want to take to say, I mentioned earlier we watched this on the projector as sort of like washed out, not as bright as you would want. My second my second watch is always on my iPad. I've got an iPad Pro that's got like the crazy XDR screen. I turn my brightness up. I can see everything beautifully. I can see every detail. But this show, un- if you're not watching it on a low-quality projector in the middle of the day, um, is unlike Game of Thrones or House of Dragon, I've heard as well. You can always see things, even yeah. though it's filmed all at night, even though it's all often filmed in the dark. 
everything is still available to see. They're not hiding things in the shadows. That is a choice that a lot of cinematographers make, especially in the world of, of HDR. I understand you want that dynamic range. You want to live in the blacks like you're the Godfather. You know, the cinematographer for The Godfather said he wanted to play right on the edge of shadow. And there's a lot of scenes in those movies where that is absolutely the case. You're right there on the level of black or, or can you see anything at all? This show does a great job of that, and I just wanted to call it out. The cloud scene is one of those where every it's the middle of the night, but everything is still there for you to see. It's a lovely right. display of power. It's a lovely display of the city and of of uh, you know the special effects that they've built here, all in the middle of this incredibly heart wrenching, br brutal moment as Lestat drains Louis as he flies him up into the air, and then he basically begs him for a breakup, you know. Just tell me that you're never going to love me. It would be so much easier for me. And the thing is, is I don't think at ever any point Louis doesn't love Lestat here. Maybe up until this big ass fight happens, he just doesn't love him the way he wants to be loved. Mm. Maybe you assholes should have a conversation about that, you think? Boy, 30 years of uh, of That uh, might have been a conversation before you had a baby. I don't know. I, I don't know. Might have been a conversation before you decided to become a vampire and live the rest of your life with this dude, too. But, you know, who am also I? Also that. I, listen. Look, who uh, are we to judge? We don't know. We're not vampires. The younglings that are listening to us, though, here's here's the lesson to take away from this. Don't rush into a marriage, <laughs> friends. We're, we're not tied to each other for immortality, perhaps. And uh, our exits don't have to be like this. But at the same time, a long-term relationship is a commitment. Uh, don't go into it blindly. <laughs> Have a, I don't think have a, a baby's going to fix your problems. Yeah, yeah. baby is have never going to fix your problems. <laughs> uh, so oh, love I it. do I do I do love though that he drains Louis. I think this is a I I do like that part of it. He's beat the shit out of him here, but I think the draining is one of those things that powerful vampires do often do to weaker ones and it is um it's still intimate. It is still involved in their relationship. He's taking Louis into himself and yet also, he's punishing him and physically hurting him. And well, then, he's taking back what he gave him in a way. Yes, you know? yes, exactly. And then Louis says, put me down. I I still don't know how I feel about Lestat dropping Louis. Lestat oh, it's would a not long do way this. down. Oh, it's, it's a, a long, real long way. First of all, first of all, I don't think I don't think Louis <laughs> in the books would have survived that fall. I think he would have been a little brain mush all over the sidewalk, and that would have been the end of it. But but still, this is this is even more than the beating. This is the moment for me that I think, you know, we've talked about how much I think Anne would love this show. I think Anne would have hated this episode. Yeah, I she would she, not have loved this. I don't think <laughs> she never wrote Lestat beating Louis. Not like this. Mm -mm. Lestat does a no, lot we, of things. No, we actually to him. talked about that last episode. I think that we like things don't normally get physical between the two of them violently. You know now. If this was season two and this is an Armand Lestat fight, makes total sense. Absolutely from the books. They beat the hell out of each other a lot yeah. of different times throughout history. But, but this he's is... not that way with Louis generally. Well, and the dropping specifically, like the dropping him from... I mean, I understand the way that it played out in the show. It makes sense. And and I'm, I suppose they could come back and retcon this too and say, oh, it didn't actually happen that way. It was X, yeah. Y, and Z. And this is, you know, yeah. Claudia's thinking. But... I don't know. It was a lot for me. Hey, uh, will you give me like 30 seconds real quick? Of course. Yeah, just a second. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah, I listen. I got so upset about my poor 
baby uh, Lestat that I, I was verklempt. I needed to go collect myself for a minute. Um, <laughs> no, I... So yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the dropping. I'm. I, I mean, I understand why they did it. I. I understand how it's going to play out in the season. I think. And again, this had to escalate. It was great to special effects. Oh, too. oh, fantastic like, I mean, special effects! Holy shit! And one imagines. One imagines we're going to get some good special effects in the next episode as Lista, as Louis repairs himself. Heels. Yeah. I mean. I mean, is that was. It, I, Lestat's got to give him blood, right? That's going to be the immediate resolution. Lestat's going to give him blood. He has, like, Claudia's probably isn't enough to fix him. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's going to need some help. (laughs) Yeah, he was in bad shape when we saw him crunched up on the ground. I'll say this. It's looking like some looking like some stranger things shit up in there. Yeah, I know, right? God, those legs all akimbo. Um, The, uh... The violence is not over for the season, folks. So if nope. this if this was heavy for you, go ahead and prepare yourself. I don't know whether it's coming next episode or whether it's coming in the in the seventh episode, but um, this we know this what's family, coming. Yeah, this family does not end well. I'm afraid, and uh, we we already know that it is fundamentally flawed and fractured, and so it is going to be um, delicious and also. Uh, Hard deliciously horrifying. Yeah, deliciously horrifying. There you go. There yeah, you go. Such wonderful portrayals. Horrifying. So well written. So well oh. portrayed on screen. And yet, what an awesome season this has been. Horrible to watch. And it, it don't isn't it fascinating how they're able to portray just as Anne did in her novels the horrific nature of humanity itself, not vampirism, right? Like it's not the vampire powers really that make these no. people so terrible what? to one another. Yes, it's the human parts that they don't know how to work anymore or ever. If they ever knew how to be, you know, how to deal with rejection, how to deal with love, how to be a good partner, how to be a good parent, how to be, you know, a friend. You know, it's like Jesus Christ is the same stuff we all have trouble with. Mm. Mm. Yes, absolutely true. All right. Let's... uh Let's move into our Easter egg section. There's a couple of things to talk about here uh, as we get ready for the uh, the final two episodes. Um, folks, go watch episode six and join us uh, next week if you're uh, not into some of the speculation territory. If so, continue onward uh, with that warning. Boy, Ashley, they went right off the top and blew all of our theories about Rashid being a vampire or oh Rashid yeah, being they were like, ha ha, those dum dums really thought they knew what was up. <laughs> He's not uh, a vampire. So I did see some speculation, even in our, our Facebook group, the thread there, where people were like, well, I don't know. I mean, Louis drank a whole lot from him. He didn't seem to be even woozy no, or that weak is at all. True. But, but Louis specifically calls out, before Rashid offers himself to me, he eats, what was it? Uh, pineapple and honey. Yeah, pineapple and honey. Um, and we've already established that vampires don't eat food so that's not the and you wouldn't need it to sweeten vampire blood vampiric blood is is its own drug so i'm gonna say here definitively i say rashid's not a vampire which just makes his whole storyline a whole hell of a lot more interesting honestly for me who is he why is is he he? here with louis like how did they get connected is this in this episode i would say more so than any other i think this might actually be louis house this rashid in this episode says to me i am working for louis not for anybody else the nature of the way that he defends him and talks about him here 
Rashid clearly has affection for Louis in a way that we weren't certain, I think, before this. Right, right. Before it very much seemed kind of master servant sort of thing. Whereas, or even and, somebody and not else's even that, servant, not even someone master's else's invited servant. Yeah, guest. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a little bit more standoffish, but everything seemed quite more quite more intimate this time around. Yeah, um, I, I, boy, I really don't know where they're going with this, but I am super excited about it. Rashid also interesting little comment. He tells Daniel that this is a suicide attempt. This this book that they're writing together. That as soon as it's public, uh, public. These powerful vampires all over the world are going to find gonna be Louis. After Louis. They're going to scale this tower and they're going to paint these walls with Louis's blood. I- interesting to me, that line really feels like something, and maybe I'm misremembering, but it really feels like something that's said to Lestat when he's making his plans about the vampire Lestat. Clear, I'm going to write these songs. I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to make these yeah. videos. Uh, I feel like maybe even Marius says, the old ones are going to hunt you down and kill you. I can't. Yeah, that's you. definitely part of the conversation. Like that's a hundred percent part of the conversation. That's definitely discussed. Like that's like here come if people know what you are and what you've done that you've told people about us. It's on, motherfucker. I mean, that's even. Yeah. It's on, it motherfucker. It occurred to me. It <laughs> occurred to me, and we've talked before about are they going to give Louis you know, some of Lestat's adventures since they're clearly trying to make Louis more of a main character throughout the series, one would imagine. Um, Here's an example where maybe it's Louis's story and the hubbub around it that forces Lestat's hand in making music of some sort and trying to awake Akasha. Maybe he's trying to protect Louis. Like maybe the maybe the old ones do Trying rise up against Louis. Get the Louis attention off of him. <laughs> and 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 Lestat is like the only one that can save him is Akasha. I'll wake her. You know. Hey I've hey, done look it over here. Or he's just trying to distract them. Yeah, I don't know, but could, it, I'm. There's I'm more it's interesting ways. Interesting ways yeah. they could go there. I am fairly certain, though, at this point, based on those conversations between Rashid and Daniel and Louis, these modern day events are pre Queen of the Damned. Akasha has not awoken yet, or at least is not public yet. And I, I think we're still going to get there. Oh, I think so too. I mean, how could you not tell that story? It's so, it's so lush. You know what the hell? They, it's the only other one they made a movie out of. Like, right. Go back. Go back and fix it. I know you want to, guys. If they well, really care about this world and these books, they want to fix that movie. <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier, Derek just finished the Vampire Lestat, and he was telling me how much he enjoyed the reunion scene before the concert, which it occurred to me like, boy, what if that is the first time that we see Louis and Lestat together in the modern day? Is that the concert? It'd be really beautiful as a way to sort of like bring that all together and from then on we can have modern day adventures but um anyway that would be very fitting and very true to the novel actually so yeah cool. um one more thing the uh whoa, oh there was one other where was it oh, oh oh okay there is a really really excellent thread that i found on twitter this past week and i want to put this link in the show notes as well a historical thread this comes from dominique uh it's just a list of things in this first season that they could pull direct historical context. 
there's some maps and layouts of Storyville, for instance. Ooh. There are some uh, pamphlets of like blue books, which were guides to the Storyville's uh, sex services. Um, one of which, by the way, Lestat is reading in the scene in the square when they're um, when they're looking at uh, when he's reading the like, hey, this square did such and such and whatever. Oh yeah, That's yeah. Apparently from a blue book. Uh, oh, he's awesome. also got a blue book earlier when he is first getting to New Orleans looking for Louis. He's holding a blue book there. There's some stuff about Tom Anderson, uh, who I've already mentioned how much I love him in this show. Uh, <laughs> he's he's a real-life historical figure, and they've got some stuff there. There's a bunch of stuff about uh, Jelly Roll Morton and the the madams, the different madams that are shown in the, in the show. So anyway, go and read the whole thread. It's linked in the show notes. Very, very cool stuff, and a bunch of stuff that I didn't know or hadn't heard of i think uh dominique is going to do some more of these in the future they just kind of like literally ran out of room in this thread oh that's awesome that's so much fun this is one of my favorite things about about shows that are set in a historical context you know it really lets us um it gives you a good excuse to kind of delve into a little bit of history uh absolutely absolutely i am excited that they brought Antoinette back. I mentioned this in the show. Antoinette is a gender swap version of Antoine from the novel. I think that gender swapping makes perfect sense here, specifically because it causes more of a um, rift. a rift between yeah. Louis and Lestat, exactly because she is a white woman in public. The two of them could be seen together, and that is one of those things that eats at, at Louis more than anything else. Uh, she's still alive. Lestat says in this episode to Louis when they're, he's trying to sort of patch it, he says, I'll kill her soon, but we don't see it. We, I don't nope. believe that it happened. And I think, I think she will come back in the next couple of episodes and play exactly the role that Antoine does in the that, novel. That, yeah, the role that we expect. Yes. Yes. So, um, man, I am so excited to see how this works. I am so excited about how they move into season two. My speculation that I hinted at earlier in the trailer, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, Ashley, but I don't Well, I didn't get the damn trailer. Oh, you didn't see the trailer? No, I don't know why I didn't get it. So tell me. (laughs) In the trailer, I don't believe that we see or hear anything from the modern day. We only see the past story. Uh I wonder if episode six will not be in Lestat's voice. Ooh. I wonder if okay. we won't see I I wonder if we won't see a scene or two from the honest to god vampire Lestat. But specifically, I wonder if they're not going to show us this the the attack on Lestat through his voice. Okay. That sounds uh, very exciting. I didn't think we'd get to see to hear from him until next season, but I would love to hear from him this season. Having having thought about it all this week, the fact that they put that in last week's episode, you see the snippet of the Vampire Lestat in the diary there. I don't think that is just a hint. I think we're going to get there. I think we're going to get there even the beginnings of it this season. And I do think it'll be short because we're not really talking about Lestat yet. We're really talking about Louis still. And even the Claudia sections, you see Daniel do that. He's like, uh, Louis says, just read. And Daniel says, just keep talking. You know, like Daniel's there for an interview with you. I want to hear your words on this. I can read this in my off time. I want to hear your words from it. So I think we might get like a snippet like that from Lestat. But it occurred to me, boy, that would be a way to really 
make that as affecting as this was and also give us a little hint at what they might do with season two. My speculation, lots of people are speculating this online. I think season two, because we'll have lots of storyline without Lestat in it, I think we're going to get the Vampire Lestat storyline alongside Claudia and Louis. Yes, I think we're going to get both of those running at the same time, and then they will meet at the end of season two in Paris at the climax of the vamp you know the interview with the vampire story there as that all comes to a head i mean that that's the way that it happens in the novel anyway i think yeah. we're gonna see it play out like that and then and then that's a really got, smart way to do it because then you well, don't have to give up one of your great actors for a whole damn season especially as we said you then you go into season three where you're barreling into the queen of the dam story in the modern day and you've already got most of uh, Lestat's backstory, the the pertinent Done and stuff, taken really. Care of, yeah, yeah, out of the way. I mean, honestly, they can dive into a lot of the Marius stuff and the uh, those who must be kept. All of that could come concurrent with the modern day Queen of the Dam storyline um, in a way that doesn't exactly play out that way in the novels. But I think that might make more sense, and you keep sort of like your themes aligned in your modern day storyline and your and your past storyline. You know, right. Yeah, yeah, keep it, keep it, yeah, keep it on track. Anyway, boy, aren't you glad it's we're getting to season two? We could speculate oh about that already, like I it's know. already locked in. I know, I'm so happy. Can you imagine getting freaking uh, just left hanging like it's Carnival from HBO? Bastards, I'm still mad about that. <laughs> I think all the time I think about the inside on Fox. It was like a serial killer cop show, and they did... I think they made 13 episodes and Fox showed six of them, two which oh were, my God. were out of order, and then they never showed anything else again. I, Yeah, every time I think about it, I'm still pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> two seasons of Carnival and they just left us hanging. Jesus What a great Christ. show, too. Uh, that's not going to happen here. Speaking of, the speculation currently, the rumors, the hubbub about Hollywood is that not only do we have season two of Interview with the Vampire confirmed, not only do we have season one of Mayfair Witches coming in January, the rumors say that there is a third series from the immortal universe of Anne Rice and AMC already in pre-production. What, what that could be, right? I did they I buy the mummy? Well, no, but uh, you've, you've got all these spinoff characters, right? You've got characters like Armand who has a whole story yeah. to tell. You've got characters like Marius who have a whole story to tell. I would have said two, three weeks ago that it was the Vampire Lestat, and we were yeah, gonna they get were going to spin off. Yeah, I don't think we are now. I don't think we are. So, is that third show a Tales of the Talamasca? As I have speculated in the past, we get like something that skips through time and all sorts of supernatural creatures. Is it just the next vampire to get a spinoff? For instance, if our uh, our our little buddy from Instagram that you referenced earlier, let me let me find that kid's name. By the way, it's the guy who plays one of the um, uh, one of the Kent's sons on uh, Lois and Superman. Ah. What is the kid's name? Yeah, so the Superman and Lois, the guy's name is Alex Garfin. He plays, uh, Alex Garfin plays Jordan Kent. So it's uh, Jordan Kent and Jonathan Kent are the two sons. Jonathan Kent, by the way, in the comics is uh, a gay character or a bi character, I think, and is displayed show is is played as such in the show, I believe too. I was thinking That's that cool. maybe Alex Garfin was playing the the son that was bi, but I don't believe he is. Um, anyway, 
Alex Garfin has uh, followed Bailey Bass on Instagram, and Bailey Bass has followed him. They like every single one of each other's posts, and they comment on every single one of each other's posts. Alex Garfin in particular has commented a couple of times some version of from the first time we worked together to the last time we worked together or something like that, and they've never actually worked together yet, not publicly. So not that we're aware of anyway. So um, that's the speculation. See, Joel's been doing a little sleuthing. Yeah, yeah, man. I I I had to chase it down. People were talking about this guy and some, and he's made, apparently he deleted a bunch of old stuff on his Instagram recently and changed his quote to something that's like, you ain't seen nothing yet or something like that. Anyway, if if he comes, don't say that I didn't tell you. Um, I don't know that that'll be our Armand, but I think it's possible. And if you cast a guy like that, Maybe that's part of the deal. Is like, hey, you're going to be the the primary villain of season two. You'll have and then you'll you have know, your ongoing own. roles, but also we're going to tell your own story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't know I don't know what that third show will be. I don't know for sure that there already is one. And even if it is in pre production, just like with all of these Star Wars shows and Marvel shows that spin up, and then some of them end up being, oh, now it's a movie. Oh, now it's not a show at all. You know, whatever. Um, anyway, I that's the hubbub. Now you know as much as I do. I'm super excited to see where this goes and super excited to see how they continue to roll it out. It's clear that it's been a success. The numbers are good. The ratings are good. Yeah. The the reviews are good. And let's just keep watching and supporting and sharing it and, and, and watch this thing grow. Hell yes. I'm here for every bit of it. I really, I really want to see my boys punch somebody other than each other. Um, yeah, it'd I'm, be I'm... nice, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it'd really be nice if they were mean to somebody else for a minute. Hello. Well, I just want to see some. Uh, I just want to see some mean vampires, I guess, uh, Ashley, so that so that we can punch vampires and I don't have to feel so existentially bad about <laughs> so it. So emotionally attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can just enjoy the good good old fashioned vampiric violence. Uh, folks, thank you again so much for all of you who are listening and giving us great feedback. And thank you for the conversations that continue on the Facebook group and, and the Twitter feedback. That's been really good. Had a couple of new people uh, reach out to me over the weekend to say that you know they just found the show and are really happy to see that, that there's one out there. There are a handful of us out there talking about this show, but um, we're glad that you've joined us for the conversation. Yeah. Hell yeah. We are happy to be here and talking about it. Uh, yes. Any final thoughts on this episode before we uh, all sing our sad songs all week long while we wait for our, <laughs> our boys to again? I feel like I've wrung myself out pretty properly about it. Um, I, I felt a lot for old Claudia this episode. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I'm looking forward to next week. I can't wait to see what happens. Can't wait yes. to see... This the second to last episode. I have a feeling is really gonna take us for a ride. Uh, the next episode is entitled "Like Angels Put in Hell by God." I love the titles for the show. All pulled yeah. from Ian's work, of course. Uh, this is another good one, and uh, we'll be back to talk about it next Sunday night, uh, folks. Until we are back, we've been your hosts, Ashley Wright Eiler. I'm Joel Sharpton, and we are the Articulate Coven. Thanks for listening to The Articulate Coven. You can join our community on Facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for Articulate Coven on Facebook. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at articulatecoven.com and share us with your Anne Rice-loving friends. 